The following is a Spirit Street production. You've discovered your link to the Power Cap Podcast, presented by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. It's the Power Cap Podcast. And now, let's go to the Spirit Street Studios. Here's your host, Go Power Cat publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to another edition of the Power Cat Podcast. I am your host, your tour guide, your role model, Tim Fitzgerald. What? So I don't think that's accurate. And that's Riley Gates, and that's our Carlson, and they're here today. I pointed, by the way, I pointed on a podcast that only worked. Uh, Zach, when we, uh, if we ever, what, what are we, what, what are we trying to do? I don't know. Have cameras and show it on the. Uh, it's called uh, simulcast. I don't know. But no, that's a slide. It's been a long day. Look, let's get a little peek behind the curtain here, where you get to see the Wizard of Pod. Uh huh. Uh huh. I was there again. Hey, uh, we did the the. Sound podcast, and now what we are calling the Sources podcast. Then we did a press conference, and then I finished that up. And I had the incredible experience of having one of my annual visits. Uh, not one of my annual. You only get one annual visit. But uh, one of my visits from uh, Robert Lipson. Hello, Tim. Is it a good time to come in? It's well, never, never a good time. In fairness, it was an appointment. I mean, he had an appointment. I just, I didn't think this day would be this hectic. So I have very bad news for you well, moving forward for the next <laughs> 12 weeks. Oh, I know. I know. Well, there was other factors involved in my day that I won't get into. But, yeah, adding Robert into it was interesting. So, Tim, still have cancer? Yeah, Robert, I do. Is it terminal? Thanks, Robert. <laughs> Thanks, Robert. Oh, no. Well, I don't know. Ask me when I'm dead. I mean, I think the answer would be yes. <laughs> I guess you'll find out. <laughs> there you have it. Oh, it is the questions version of the podcast. If we split these suckers up, Zach and I were stunned to see how well the overtime performed. I'm telling you, people Friday. love the sound. Well, was it the overtime or was it both the overtime and our normal podcast? And people just waited a day. No, we saw the numbers for the overtime. The numbers were associated okay. with the overtime. Yeah. We saw the numbers for the downloads for the day, but at the bottom, yeah. the overtime okay, yeah, was you're right, you're right. It's performing quite well. It's disturbing. People like What's fun. wrong with you people? People love fun. Win that dang day. That, that was actually me. <laughs> How many were there? There were 10. That's there right. were exactly 10. I counted. That's right. That was not planned. That was just me. Winning that dang day over and over. We're sponsored by The Fridge. You can win your dang day by going to The Fridge and getting all of your party essentials. Um, by essentials, I mean uh, beer and wine and liquor. Everything else is not an essential. Because technically, you can drink it right out of those containers you buy. They come in a bottle or a can or something. You can drink out of that. But if you need cups, they're nice and, and other things. You can get that at The Fridge. You know what I bought at The Fridge the other night when we were passing through? What? A bottle opener. Why? 
Because I, we were going to a party, and I bought some uh, beers that don't twist off. Oh, that kind. Of, okay, I think. And, uh, but it has a wine thing on it, too, because that's all they had. So so now if I'm, like, uh, in a pinch, I can open a bottle of wine. I was thinking you were, uh, you said bottle opener. I thought wine bottle. I'm kind of a screw-top wine kind of guy. If I drink a wine, I, I think it, uh, screw top's pretty Should good. be easy access. Yeah. So. Guess what I bought at the fridge today? Uh, potato chips. Crab peach. Yeah, it's back, baby. It's back. I, I like crown and I like I like peach, but I don't like crown peach. Have you had it? Yeah, I have actually. And back in the day, that was an Aggieville uh, shot, the crown and peach. It's not the same thing, though. It's shockingly the same thing. It's crown uh, with the peach flavoring. I'm gonna strongly disagree, and I haven't even had it. This segment sponsored by Tanners. They are the crown and peach of Aggieville. I don't even know if that's a good thing. You would think that's a good thing. No, I think crown peach is a good thing. I don't think crown and peach. Oh, uh, Tanner's is definitely top shelf when it comes to Aggieville bars. Get into Tanner's, watch a game, see your friends, have a meal, take your children and abandon them in the bathroom. It all can happen at Tanner's. <laughs> was there a story there? <laughs> I don't know. I just thought it was kind of a cool plan. I mean, sure. Okay, this isn't even the overtime. This is the regular podcast, so maybe we should advance to the questions from Wabash Station. And here's our MC, Zach. From Purple Powerhouse, is it fair to say that our new coaching staff is going to be a lot more deliberate slash picky about when they run the quarterback? Yeah, I mean, I I think it's it's been made pretty clear. Uh, just well, number one, based on the fact that Easton Stick and Carson Wentz did not run the ball that much they they didn't have design runs all that much um and so i think you can base it on that i think you can base it on the fact that they don't obviously feel comfortable having a backup quarterback um or at least they haven't identified a backup quarterback yet it's just not an offense that's based around the quarterback run so i deliberate yes but it's just it's because it's part of of what they do um and they want to keep Skyler healthy. I mean, at the end of the day, well, you, you can't be using him as a battering ram. They run the quarterback when it's necessary, when it will catch a defense off guard. And that's what Bill Snyder used to do, and then he just that became the focus of his offense. The focus of the offense was always other stuff, and, oh, yeah, we're going to layer this in, and we're going to layer in the throw into the tight end, and we're going to do this. And... They just stopped doing all that and decided to use the quarterback as a battergram. Um, I don't – they'll run the quarterback five times a game maybe. I don't know. It'll be more than that, I think, because of, A, design uh, design passes turning into scrambles, yeah. sacks for some reason getting counted as carries. Stupid. All that. Yeah. But, I mean, like, choose to run the quarterback. Right. Time. So, it's going to be in there, but I think uh, Skyler and all the quarterbacks are happy to know – they will not be fullback slash quarterbacks. For Mountain Joe, while I have heard a lot of discussion about the wide receivers being good enough to provide threats for Skyler, doesn't there need to be some more pressure on Skyler to make the right reads and find his open receivers? There's no doubt. He's got to, he's got to progress as a quarterback. He wasn't good enough last year. Um, he seems more comfortable in the system. Keep in mind he'll be under center, which I know this is subtle, but you know, he mentioned this the other day when we spoke to him that being under center and having to drop back and maybe make a, you know, play action read, handoff to a 
running back. It all gives him time to evaluate what's on developing on the, on the field. He can read a defense. He's more deliberate and all that. Uh, you know, before he would just be asked to stand in the pocket and throw. And, you know, he's going to be a quarterback now. So he's got to be more complete. There's no doubt about it. He's got to do things much more efficiently than Skyler did last year. If he's making bad reads and not ever getting past his, his first read or even second read and he's throwing interceptions, K-State's got big trouble. I think we all agree. Well, and I don't think maybe we've come off as, as wrong. We've been talking about the receivers doing him a solid because it's it's one of those, uh, would you say, half and half? I mean, I, I don't know who technically gets more of the um, pressure put onto them. But obviously there's been a lot more to talk about with the receivers and coming into this season than there has with the quarterback position. And, and that's why, you know, we've, we've continued to, to push it, you know, make it a, a point, Hey, the receivers need to get open. The receivers need to do that. And they, they just didn't get open a whole lot last year. I mean, honestly, how many times in your head does it stick out that a, that a receiver totally beat a guy off a route and was five yards ahead of him? You know, I think back to, to Zuber beating a guy against, uh, Oh, what was was it UTSA? I don't remember what the game was. Uh, right down that that left sideline, where, where Delton hit him deep. Um, there, there just weren't that many plays where where receivers separated themselves. And yet, I watch a game this morning. Funny enough, ESPN Classic game, and Oklahoma's got guys beating people off of routes, and West Virginia's got guys boom just like that beat two guys and was 10 yards past them by the time the ball was in Will Greer's hands. So I'm not saying that every receiver at K-State is going to be CeeDee Lamb or, or Marquise Brown, but they need to do a better job of getting off, uh, you know. Well, and some of it's design. Yeah. How, how the routes are designed and, I mean, is it a well-designed play? And I think K-State's passing game just became very sophomoric, just yeah. very basic. Go there, turn around, I'll throw you the ball. Yeah. You're not going to get any yardage after you catch it because you're going to be standing there like a doofus. But do that, and maybe you'll be open. From Hurt as Joe, which will be a bigger surprise? Which would be a bigger surprise? Skylar Thompson as the Big 12 Offensive Player of the Year or Nick Ost slash John Holcomb get a start not due to, not due to an injury? Oh, that's, that's those two are too far apart for me to associate. I well, can't, I can't deal with that. One, at least I could see. I... In a crazy world, K-State wins 10-11 games and Skyler's throwing for almost 300 yards a game. Yeah. I could. I mean, I'm not saying that's going to happen or that it's even realistic, but that's possible. I'm not even possible. sure that happens. I'm not even sure that's possible now. Somehow, Jalen Hurts going to be the MVP if they go 6-6. Six and six. I don't think. I think, side note, the Big 12 is going to sour on Jalen. Sam Ellinger is their golden boy this year. If yeah. not, Brock Purdy. I mean, there's other options, but look, I don't mean this as a slight at Nick or at John Holcomb. They're not going to start on talent. They're just not. They're not, they're not going to start over Skyler on talent. Yeah. Just says due to an injury. It says not due to an injury. That's what I mean, like suspension. Okay, I, I mean, think he, I don't see that. Yeah. I mean, I guess you can play the technicality game. I figure if he's saying not due to injury, he would probably also include suspension in there. Neither one's going to happen. I feel comfortable saying that. It'd definitely be more likely. 
for him to win the big Big 12 offensive player. I mean, of the year. For, for me, that's like, uh, what's going to happen first? You're going to walk on Mars or, or you're going to visit Venus? No, no neither. I'm, neither is going to happen first for me. That's the way I feel that question was. Say Venus but would I'm, be the bigger surprise. There's a significant. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I mean, yeah, I kind of did too. I just, I'm not, not great with the whole science thing. The talent disparity, the level of experience between Skylar Thompson and whichever quarterback ends up being the backup is, I mean, they're miles apart. Miles and miles and miles. If you bench Skylar, let's say Skylar's having problems and you bench him, you might wreck him. Yeah. You might just finish him off. From K-State Legion, what position group do you see having the biggest impact on the team's ability to win? Defensive end. I think that group can be incredibly disruptive of opposing offenses and create turnovers. You know, we talk a lot about safeties and how they cover. I mean, if defensive ends aren't letting the quarterback have enough time, that changes everything for a, a secondary. It make you look a lot smarter. If the quarterback's got to get rid of the ball quickly. Uh, you can also say offensive line, I think. Um, it, this offensive line and this run. Okay, so number one, they've continued to press the fact that they're going to run the ball. And they've got multiple options they feel good about. I mean, they're not making it a secret. They feel comfortable with what they have. So... One of those guys is going to emerge, whether it's Jordan Brown, whether it's James Gilbert, whether it's Harry Trotter coming out of nowhere and, and stealing everybody's hearts. Somebody is going to be a guy eventually that you can rely upon. And they've continued to also say that the offensive line depth is big. You know, They said they feel like they have six to eight guys that could realistically play along the offensive line, could realistically contribute. So you can't you know, say that, oh, you know, they don't have enough depth or they don't have enough talent. They have the talent there. Um well, you know, Noah Johnson could be a starter, but you could easily see Josh Rivas. The fact that they have interchangeable starters on the offensive line is is significant. So what I'm trying to get at is this running game needs to be consistent. It needs to be solid, and it needs to, to pack a punch every single game. And so you kind of got to put some pressure on the offensive line, okay? You've got talent. You've got returning uh, experience. You've got everything. Go make it happen. Allow this offense to do what it does, which is run the ball, and and then allow for Skyler to have an easier time to throw the ball. I mean, it all just goes hand in hand. Well done. From K-State Legion again, which do you see happening more? More tight ends subbing in to play fullback or more fullbacks subbing in to play tight end? Well, they are the same in this system. They're all in the same pot, so to speak. So Nick Lenners, now that Adam... Carter's injured. Nick Lenners will probably start at fullback. And then Blaze Gammon will start at tight end if they have both on the field. And then if they don't have a fullback on the field, Nick Lenners will be the tight end. So the, they're interchangeable parts. I think we will see more tight ends now than we would have in the past because they just kind of rotate through the fullback spots. Unless someone really steps up, Deneen, Barta, so uh, I don't – but I think those guys are so far behind the tight ends. I think Sammy Wheeler's ahead of all them in terms of who do we want to put on the field. So now they go to two tight ends. You know, I don't know who the two are and who's the fullback, but I would say the three, three guys I just mentioned as tight ends are on the field. One is a fullback. You kind of stole what I was going to say there. It's just – it's the depth. It's the, it's the fact that every time we've talked about 
who are some fullbacks? You know, we've said like, hey, uh, you know, can Jackson Neen get there? I haven't heard them say as many positive, strong positive things about the quote-unquote listed fullbacks that you have out of the tight ends. I mean, I think it's pretty telling that Sammy Wheeler is probably the third tight end, and he still gets a lot of mentions, whereas we kind of have to pry for things on like Jacksonine and and Barda and and you know it just they don't go out of their way to say that a whole lot and so what you said about it being you know a little bit deeper at the position I I think you're pretty spot on with that. From Ema Wildcat eighty two, now it appears that Hank Jacobs has displaced Sean Snyder's official job duties. Would it be beneficial to have Sean working behind the curtain, passing notes to certain position coaches on what the kickers, punters, and return men should be doing to improve? Well, first off, it sounds like you should have read my story on Devin Anktel. Well, Sean's still involved. Yeah, that's what I was getting at. Yeah. He, Sean, do, he does that. First Sean's off, a senior special teams analyst, so he's just focused on special teams. He doesn't coach on the field in practice, but Stanton Weber goes to him for Stanton either Weber. advice. What? Stanton Weber. That's what I said. Did you say Stan or Stanton? Stanton. I said Stanton. I, I didn't hear the um. You're going to be, like, just broken here in a few weeks. Memory's going. Years are going. Yeah, it's a sad, sad crash. Terminal. 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 That damn terminal cancer. Yeah. Uh, no, he goes – Stanton goes to Sean, takes notes, you know, whether it's questions he's had, whether it's observations that Sean's had, whatever it is, he, he takes that into practice. And then kickers and punters can go see Sean as well. and. They can't, you know, do it in practice, but they can go talk to him. They can go ask for advice. It, dude was a damn good punter. Of course, they're going to go ask him for advice on on certain things. And he was the coach for most of them. I don't think Sean's really talking returners all that much. Uh, he never did. Yeah, he never did that. And and Jason Ray kind of holds down that. Or you know, I, we know that he he's involved at least in the return game I mean, a little bit. It was the biggest misunderstanding. Sean was special teams coordinator, but he really coached the kickers, punters, holders, snappers. Yeah, I mean, most of the other stuff, other guys oversaw. Look, Sean's out of the coaching staff. He doesn't, quote-unquote, coach the team. He's not a coach on the team. But he still has his hand a little bit in the kicking and punting. He's and an analyst. Too. If he's at the school, absolutely got to keep utilizing him, and, and it'd be dumb to not. From Purple Powerhouse, among the freshmen, who are we absolutely dependent on becoming impact guys? Ooh. Well, this is a question I ask. They haven't identified anyone that will go beyond the four games yet. So there's no one that they they know they're going to have to use beyond the four games which, yet. Which is interesting to me. Why? Figured Josh Youngblood would be in that group. Yeah, yeah. That is interesting. So in glass half full, Sebastian Taylor, Malik Knowles, Dalton Schoen have all really stepped up and they feel good about this receiving group with with a few other guys that they... Joaquin Gill. Yeah, Joaquin Gill. I, I don't mean it bad to him. I always forget about Joaquin because he was a quarterback when he started here. And, you know, you, you throw in Landry Weber and you got another guy who isn't going to be an idiot out there. He's going to run the right routes and do the right things. That's glass half full. Glass half empty? Josh has taken a step back. Yeah. He hasn't shown enough to be consistent enough to get significant playing time. I don't think it's probably that. I think it's Probably they're starting to feel better about the older options, but I would – I'll put it this way. I'll be shocked if Josh doesn't play over four. Shocked? Yeah. Mildly surprised? Somewhere in between there? Because if he gets in game five, I expect you to go, oh! <gasps> like I mean, I will, I, I will make it a big deal. Film it. I know. 
I will, I will make it a big deal to let you know I was right. Okay. You know that, right? Okay. Baylor game. I guess it would be if he didn't get any. I don't understand what I'm saying anymore. But I don't think there's anybody <laughs> on the team. <laughs> God. There's nobody on the team that they're dependent on. Okay? Like, no. They would have identified him by now. They're not in such a bad situation in any spot on the roster where they absolutely have to play a freshman. If we get into injuries, linebacker maybe, they might they might go for it. Yeah. Um, somewhere in the secondary, if they get dinged up or something, they're not getting the right answers, they might go for it. Uh, receiver, is, as you mentioned, they might go for it. But I, I think running backs will be used four games or fewer. Quarterback, no. I guess Chris Heron could step forward at receiver. I don't know. It, it's going to be interesting. But if I had to guess following watching the, you know, going to the press conference and asking Coach Kleiman about that specific thing, nobody's going to do it unless a circumstance arises through the process of the season that demands they have to use them. Yeah. Last question of of the first half. I almost said overtime. I know. I, like, I, got, uh, I got so confused. Last, I thought we were done. Last question of the first half from Wildcat Wabash. He has three hot take hot takes, the to rank from most likely to least likely to happen. Okay. First one. By the end of the season, a freshman running back will overtake one of the three veteran running backs in the rotation. Two. Skyler will beat Easton Sticks' sixty-two point three completion percent completion rating. Last year, three, Chris Heron will score a touchdown at the wide receiver position this season. Number two is easily the most likely. That Skyler will exceed 62.3? Yeah. Of those three options, that's easily the most likely. I'm going to go Chris Heron in mop-up time gets a touchdown. I don't think Chris Heron is going to get on the field at receiver with with in a, in a throw. I think if Chris Heron is on the field at receiver – you're towards the end of the game where you might throw one pass. Yeah, that's all it takes. I mean, that's I guess. If they well, have to, but and you know, then maybe it's from Skyler and it's a touchdown and it gets him to sixty-two point four percent. Look, uh, your starting quarterback. You know, the running back thing running cannot back's least happen. Least likely, easy, yeah, that can't happen. <laughs> if that happens, I don't know. Over your top three, I don't know. You don't bring in two grad transfers and have a freshman. Well, I'm not thinking it'll be one of them. As I think, if you, when you say top three, you're including Harry Trotter, and maybe you know that gets a little more tangible to me. Because the guy is one step out of from being a walk-on. But do you also have Tyler Burns back there? I think that it's probably ahead of the freshman. Yeah, maybe. Um, I I just I don't see that. I don't see that at all. Joe Irvin's I'd go, supposedly pretty good. I'd go Skyler's thing number one. Heron catching a pass for a touchdown, number two, and the running backs at three. I would go Heron, Thompson, running backs. That's all I got to say about that. That's all I got to say in the whole first half. Because that is the end of the first half of the PowerCat podcast, sponsored by The Fridge. We're sitting in the WTC Gig Pirate Studios. What else I got? And that half is sponsored by Tanners. 30% off an annual subscription right now at gopowercat.com. It's football season. Get on board. Get signed up. Get ready for the coverage. On Monday, what did I calculate? 12 stories? Yeah. yeah. On a Monday. A Monday, the week before game week. 12 content items. A lot of them were Lots Zach's of video. videos. Just a couple of VIP things that were really nice, including the power chat with Joe Hall. 
Lots of video. 11 more Tuesday. Yeah. Man, live. Just poured it all out. I put a lot of emotion in that. I got to save some for the second half because it's right after this break. The gang will return with more of the Power Camp Podcast. Back to Fitz of the Power Camp Podcast, sponsored by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. Welcome back to the Power Cat Podcast, sponsored by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. We're sitting in our beautiful studios. We sound great, although we got a fan running. You probably, you probably can hear the fan in the background. It's hot, man. It, it is ungodly hot in Kansas. Like the other morning, I walk out and I go, oh, it's so lovely. It's wonderful out here. And then two days later, it's just like we're resting on the face of the sun. One of these days, everyone will understand that I am right and that winter and fall are the better seasons. It's a fact. I got nothing. It's a fact. It's an opinion. It's an opinion. It's a fact. I'm not miserable and in pain and uncomfortable. That sounds like winter. Nope. Yeah, winter. I just threw on some more layers. Do you cover up your face so your nose doesn't freeze off? I mean, you you Do you like leaving Bramlage at 11 o'clock at night? Ames, Iowa. I have auto start. I take you to Ames, Iowa and drop you in that parking lot. You will die. Well, sure, but I also can take you to the middle of of the asphalt parking lot at Bill Snyder Family Stadium today and leave you outside and let me know how. I dripped sweat more than the players that were leaving practice were last week. If you watch those stand, if you go watch those videos from Zach, when we talked to offensive coaches, were you getting attacked by crickets too? No, it was on. We were on the other side out of the. Sh- That's why we moved over there. Is because the sun was so bad. Yeah, it was miserably hot, so we moved over into the shade. Now there's crickets in the shade. Yeah, the crickets are ridiculous. Speaking of ridiculous, this is the Powercat Podcast. The questions version is that we stay with the traditional format of taking your questions from All Bass Station. This half is sponsored by the High Low. Get down to Aggieville. Say hi to Seth. Pound the Seth Stone. That sounded awful. I did not mean it the way it sounded. Pound beers with the Seth Stone. Wow. Clip performance. Oh, no. Oh, that went bad real fast. My apologies. Seth. It's pretty bad when you say something uh, and you can hear yourself. So, like, you're like, ah, yeah, that's yeah. not good. It's kind of like that moment before, you know, you're going to be in the accident. You know, crap, I'm going to be in an accident and I can't stop it. That's what that was. Get into the high-low. Go play a little Milwaukee roulette. Have some pizza. I, here's a problem, guys. Now, a certain chicken place has started having uh, macaroni and cheese. Oh, you went in a different direction than I thought you were going. So now I'm eating that like I'm in a sordid affair with it. I mean, I'm thinking about going by there just to get a chicken sandwich so I can get the mac and cheese. I mean, I feel like I'm cheating on every other fast food or food place. So now if I go to the Hilo, do I dare get the mac and cheese pizza, which is delicious, or will I have mac and cheese overload? You'll have mac and cheese overload. Yeah, you're going to get burnt out on it if you're not careful. It's all a science. It's Here's a science what I would say. of being a fat guy. Get I, it into the high-low. I would encourage you to get a different pizza at the high-low. 
Do something different. I had a piece of the, what is the little apple, the big apple, whatever the apple it was with all the meats on it. Yeah, mm. very good. Mm. It was good. It's good. Speaking of good, here's your questions from Wildfire Station, and here's Zach. From Exhaust Nihilist, given K-State's recent recruiting position relative to the higher-ranked schools, do you think K-State will benefit more or less than the higher-ranked schools to utilize the four-game redshirt rule? I don't think it's going to be obvious enough to use it as a recruiting tool. I mean, you can toss it out in a recruiting pitch, say like, hey, look at Jack Stanine. He played three games last year. You could come in at K-State and play right away. But they're going to need a guy like Josh Youngblood to become a, an all-Big 12-type receiver this year in order to like use it as an advantage in recruiting. This whole this new rule is so – I don't want to say complicated. The rule itself is pretty clear-cut. You can play four games or fewer and maintain your red shirt. But managing that gets to be really difficult. So do you play him right early in the season? And then maybe as the season progresses – and you've got a bunch of injuries, then what do you do? Or do you try to save them just in case for later with injuries, but then you don't have them and you're in close games so they don't play at all? I mean, it's really difficult balancing how you're going to use the freshmen that you want to play, that you want to get experience, how you're going to deploy them, when you're going to do so, uh, what you're going to put in your back pocket, what you're going to put out front. It's, It's all very complicated to me. I mean, I really do think it could be a tool for them if they did it right, but it has to be in big roles. It has to be catching passes. It has to be taking carries, whatever, making tackles. I mean, it can't just be, oh, this freshman was on kickoff in four games and he had three tackles. Like, it just can't, it can't be that. Yeah, I mean, play, play some freshman and win 10 games and your recruiting will be great. Yeah. <laughs> or not play freshman and win 10 games, your recruiting will just be great. Just win 10 games, just honestly. Win, let's do that. From Herta's Joe. Scotty Hazelton is acting like a coach who has something good, but he's not sure what the ceiling is yet. If if the pieces fall into place and guys fulfill their potential, how good can this defense be? You have a very unique situation returning as many starters as he does. And some dynamic starters. Yeah. The problem is a lot of them are seniors. And it's it's good for this year, and it gives them confidence, obviously, but it's very tough to judge him this season and next season. I I guess what I'm trying to say here is that what he has right now is might not exactly him, his. Might make him look better than they and then would un, be. And then have a very high bar for next year when honestly not he should as be allowed to rebuild. Yeah. yeah. And I don't think he's unsure of what he has right now. I think he knows what he has. I think he knows a potential of what it could be. Um, you know, guys like Wyatt Hubert, hey, if he plays at an All-American type level, we're going to be really, really good. I think he thinks they're going to be good regardless either way. It'll be tough for this defense to be, quote-unquote, bad. But I would very strongly urge fans, yes, get excited about um, get excited about what he could do or, or excuse me, about what they could do this year. Get excited about how who he is as a coach because he did have a really good defense at Wyoming. Let's not forget that. I mean, they were, what, I think top 30 or something like that in, in total defense last year, and Wyoming wasn't that good of a team. But it's not going to consistent. That what it is this year is not what it's going to be in 2020. It's just, it's just the way the cards are going to fall. From Purple Powerhouse, how close is the talent gap between K-State and KU in football? And how do you see that playing out over the next several years with Kleiman and Miles running the programs? 
they're recruiting different players right now. Look, it, you can't really judge recruiting for 2020 yet based on commitments. Let's not forget that KU has a history of selling people on early commitments, and then the season starts and they go, oh, you guys really suck. The program also has a terrible history of landing four stars that don't pan out. Yeah, I know this from K-State. This isn't a shot at KU. A lot of times if you're a program like K-State or KU, and that's a big gap in quality, you know, a 6-6 six and six team and a 1-11 and 11 team, if you're getting a four-star, he's either local, so he really likes you, or, you know, Skylar Thompson being that case, or there's something that makes everyone else pass over him and he all of a sudden finds you very attractive. That's just the honest truth. I think there's still a sizable gap between these programs. And maybe this, the, the biggest part of that gap isn't really talent. It's about knowing how to win, knowing a culture that demands success, that once things get tough, you don't just say, okay, well, we can lose. We'll just go ahead and lose. That's tough to get rid of, you know? And I, I honestly don't think Coach Miles is the kind of guy that's going to get rid of it. I think he's going to have a bunch of fun with his players. He's going to hop up there with rappers and dance in the meeting room, and they're all going to laugh, and they're going to go out there and be KU. They're just going to be KU. And maybe they'll get better players. There's just a long ways to go. And the recruiting of it is, you know, you can look at you can look at what they do this year. You can look at how the classes shake out and go, oh, the talent level is starting to close. You can't do that. You can't You can't compare them because KU, I'll probably guess right now that KU might end up having a higher-ranked class. They've landed some very highly rated players over the last two weeks. But I don't think that that necessarily means that they're going to close the talent gap. I just kind of mentioned why right there. Well, one thing they can do, and maybe they are doing to close the talent gap, is is have a morality gap. That it's okay to abuse women and still play football. Yeah. That's okay to do this and that and still play football. If that becomes really more important than, you know, your humanity, then maybe that will help them down the road. Maybe if, you know, there's there's fights and there's charges and it's, uh, yeah, we'll just, he's good. We're going to let him play. If we want to do that, maybe they can close the talent gap. Congratulations. From KSU number one, who wears the captain designation on offense and defense? We don't even know how he's going to set it up. Will he have two and two? I mean, no, but you can make a good guess. Skyler will be one. Yeah, obviously. I mean, just kind of look at who he brought to Big 12 Media Day. That's always a very good indicator because they're either a preseason all Big 12 player or they're going to be a or they're a team leader. I think Skyler will be one. I think Dalton Schoen will be one. I think Wyatt Hubert will be one. And I think Trey Deshaun will be one. I think he'll go four. I mean, I'm just guessing. I literally nothing to base that on. Uh, he might go six. He might have Franz or Holdorf and Goolsby. I could see Goolsby. I could see Holt. You're making that noise again. I, I stopped myself. Okay. I don't know about these lines. Scott's not vocal, at least publicly vocal, so maybe I shouldn't say that. But could be Tyler Mitchell. That guy seems yeah. to be taking command. Yeah. Yeah, again, that's a huge human being. Yeah, he's pretty big. I mean, that's Where's not he just from? pig uh, snort. Uh, was it? I asked the question. <laughs> Bull snort? No, that's not right. <laughs> pig snort? Uh, they, did they change it on the bio? Because he he listed the mailbox. I'm told when he came in as a freshman, 
Mitchell, Alabama, or something. And that's that was his last name. Wasn't oh, I can't remember what it was. Buck Snort. Buck Snort. But he's close. actually from Buck Snort, Alabama. They don't have a P.O. box there. Hmm. Buck Snort. It's, yeah, I think you've got almost have to make an offensive lineman one of your captains. Maybe. I think it'd be Holtorf then. I mean, again, it's, it's it's so hard to guess based on not knowing how many numbers he's going to have. I hope he doesn't do that thing that Snyder, was it last year Snyder was like We've got three captains tiers. and 19 player. Well, they had captains and co-captains. Yeah. Like, it was weird. But I feel like a good majority of those Big 12 Media Day guys are captains. Just my thought. From Snarecat3, welcome. Wow. Was that like a drum? He's been here, hasn't posted much, so he's love to see you around. Uh, to me, this seems to be the most important Sunflower showdown since Bill came back for 2.0. The Cats win in Manhattan and reestablish dominance of football in Kansas. Just how important is this game in Lawrence on November 2nd? Huge. It I is huge. It's huge because you go into Lawrence and... What everyone over there perceives is it's over because Bill's gone. And they're right in that case because Ron Prince was pathetic against pretty good KU teams. You go in there and win, and say you put your foot down and win pretty easily, then they have to come back into Manhattan the next year. And probably by year three, Clavin's got it going pretty good. That no gap closing has been taking place. You need to get them this year and then maybe sneak into Manhattan next year and get them that year. And then you've closed a lot of the gap on K-State. Maybe you've pulled them down to you, but you've you've made it more competitive. If K-State loses to KU this year, it I cannot stress how high or how big of a hurt I think it will be to local recruiting. Because let's be real, Les Miles has a hell of a pitch right now. He's a national championship winning coach coming into a horrible situation. He can pitch to them. You can play right away. You can help me turn this around. If we get it going the right way, who knows how, how good we could be. He's got a hell of a pitch. And if he beats K-State in his first year, he gets to sell all of that. And then, oh, yeah, by the way, we're taking the state back. We just did it this year. He will. It would do huge things to recruiting, I believe. That's why I think you got to go in there and not just beat him. I think you got to smack him. I think you got to show KU fans, and that's this at this point, it's just about pride here. But you got to show KU fans that Les Miles or that Chris Kleiman is not just some boring FCS coach that can't win at this level. That he's going to continue winning against his in-state rival, and and I think there's a little rivalry already brewing between the two, just based on the way that they spoke about each other or lack thereof. Down in Dallas. I get the feeling Les is a little condescending. Yes. And I think that that's making Chris Kleiman upset, as it, as it would with anybody. Anybody. It doesn't matter if your coaches are just people. If, someone looks, if you can tell someone's looking down upon you, you're going to want to settle that score. And uh, I'm all for running that up. Not going for it on fourth and one with two seconds left. But, you know, I'm still, I'm, I'm all for 45 to 7 and you throw another touchdown pass. Yeah, I'm about that. Take that Jayhawks. That's definitive. From Purple Powerhouse, how do you see the talent gap between K-State and the conference leaders like OU and Texas and how long will it take to close that gap before we can consistently be competitive with the top half of the conference again? A while. 
<laughs> I mean, yeah, so you know, hard. you got to back up to, you know, when Nebraska was in the conference and you're talking about Nebraska and then eventually Oklahoma got back on its feet and, you know, Texas was in the mix once in a while. K-State, for a brief shining moment, had talent that matched up. Maybe not the depth, but that front-line team of 98, 97, 98, and even spilling over in 99 and 2000, now those are really talented teams. They put a lot of dudes in the NFL. So if you just look at that, the NFL measurement, you know, the, the pure, raw talent, can see it's a long ways away, a long ways away. And that's, that doesn't mean that's the only measurement. I mean, hell, Mississippi State had an NFL roster, basically, and came into Manhattan and pounded K-State, but wasn't overall very good last year. But they got to get better. The coaches know they got to get better. They've got some really good players. They don't have enough. They have some decent depth. They don't have enough. They just don't have enough of any of it, and that was what was dwindling. That's what was rotting on the vine for Kansas State. They just didn't have enough of what they needed. It was nowhere near what it was in the prime. Can Chris Kleiman get them there? Maybe. Maybe, but it's not going to be easy. I think it's also going to take a shift in the national landscape of college football. Teams like Auburn starting to win a lot of football games. Because let's be real. Recruits right now, five-star recruits, are starting to pipeline to Alabama, Clemson, Oklahoma, yeah. a little bit Texas. Some, um, I mean, the more parity we start to see in the college football playoff, that will dilute Oklahoma and Texas a little bit. It will make them not as strong. I mean, they're still going to be damn good and still have elite recruiting classes, but they're not going to have as many in there, and that will make it a little bit easier for K-State to get back to the pack. You know, there was a time when Bill Snyder recognized an avenue to get that done, to close that gap, and it was called junior college recruiting, and it worked, and everyone said he was cheating and cutting corners and not doing it the right way, whatever they said, and it worked, and then now everyone does it. So can Chris Kleiman come up with a way to do that? You know, do you, Can you really just outwork everyone and develop everyone to such a high level? Because really at the core, the philosophies are very similar. They go get kids that other people miss, particularly in the high plains, you know, the northern plains, and and they just develop the hell out of them. They find a guy like Carson Wentz that nobody wanted, and oh, yeah, he turned out to be really good. Yeah, you got to do some of that, but is that enough in this day and age at the power five level? Uh, I think you know to get there, you got to sprinkle in a lot of a lot of really good recruiting, and then go get some four stars, and have the right mix, the right group at the right time, and not get a bunch of injuries. Because what really makes Alabama and those programs good is they lose a senior starter, and they've got a freshman that can step in and play. I mean, step in and play at the highest levels, and that's just not what K State or most programs experience. From GT Cat, it's easy to compare what we've been experiencing now with the Ron Prince era. Coach Prince drove a wedge between himself and his coaches. These coaches all seem to be very humble. We're in this together attitude from my vantage point. How would you characterize their overall chemistry so far through fall camp? Incredible. It's uh, We can't speak too much to it being different because obviously we don't know how other coaching staffs connect. But I can't imagine there are many staffs out there that are as tight as these guys are. Um, and I don't know if that's a culture that Coach Kleiman has. Um, I don't know if it's they just seem to click well. Obviously, it helps when 
you have so many coaches on the staff that have connections to each other. You know, Scotty Hazleton being in North Dakota State at, at one point and having the connection with Coach Kleiman and then him bringing four of his own guys. You have a K-State. You know, it, everything kind of matches up. Um, a lot of people knew each other already, so that obviously helps. But it just feels like they are all connected super, super well. And, and it's I think it's doing a lot for him right now. Yeah, it it seems like this group's been together for years. It, it really does. I mean, they brought four coaches with him. Scotty Hazelton is connected. And the other half of the staff was disconnected, if you want to say it that way. But they feel like there's just great chemistry. I mean, you can just tell they genuinely like each other and they've gotten on the same page with where they want to go. Although, as I pointed out in uh, the Sources podcast, um, the defensive backs coaches, one wants to play man, the other wants to play zone. So that'll be interesting to sort out. But uh, they are intensely likable guys, not fake. You know, all guys you wouldn't mind having a beer with or glass of wine or coffee. They're all really genuine, nice people. And a lot of Ron Prince's staff was, too. I mean, some of those guys are great. Tim Horton, I mean, just a wonderful guy. Raheem Morris, love that dude. But the the top apple was rotten, so that didn't work. And eventually those guys left, and he ran them off. But Chris Kleiman's a very, very sincere guy. From Mountain Joe, what is a satisfactory score spread in the home opener as far as you are all concerned? Cats by 7, 10, 17, or 28? First, let's, let's put it on the table. Nichols State is a good program. This yeah. is a top 10 FCS program. They have beaten other programs, including Kansas, last year. That's why in a game, A, in a game for me that's against a team like that, that isn't just some rollover uh school at, at K-State's or at, at some role or FBS school B it's the first game of the season so you're always working out the the kinks and the iron the rust, shaking the first rust game off of the, the iron I mean first game of the program I mean yeah there's just so much that goes into it that's why it's so tough for me to put a number on it for me it is I don't ever want to feel like oh no is, is K-State gonna lose this one even like, if they end up winning by three touchdowns you don't want to have that feeling in the fourth quarter. It's only one touchdown. I would say going into the fourth quarter with a three-score lead, 17 points. 31-10 final score? Yeah. Something like that? Ish, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. just it's just don't have that feeling. I'll give you till about the third quarter to just really shake them. Make, make it comfortable enough. You know, not joyously comfortable. Boy, this is fun. We've, we've scored 4,000 points against this team. But don't put it in doubt. Last year against a pretty mediocre South Dakota team as the season played out, they were the better football team in that game and lost. Should have won. Last question of the podcast. It's a basketball question from Purple Powerhouse. As things stand right now, what do you see as the basketball team ceiling this year? Depending on how the freshmen develop and adjust to the speed of the college game, I could see us being better than expected. Well, if, I mean, if the freshmen really erupt, yeah, they'll be better than expected. Well, and that's why it's that his sentence right there, depending on what the freshmen do, is so crucial because mm-hmm. they can't them. they can't just rely on X and and Cartier. They have to rely on literally every freshman. Well, not every freshman. They need Dejuan to step up big. They need 
like Montavious or Antonio. To One of the big guys. I mean, they need these newcomers to contribute in a significant way, and it can't just be two to three minutes here. It needs to be significant time because I just don't think they have enough upperclassmen talent to get it done. They need a little bit of everything. So I don't mean to dodge the question, but he kind of answered my question with his by prefacing his question. Am I fair in saying that I would be not overjoyed, but very, very satisfied, very pleased if they're on the eight nine line of the NCAA tournament with what they have? Because it feels what they like, lost. It feels like they're more right now in the eleven to twelve if they're going to make it. They're on the bubble. Yeah, they're really on the bubble. So just getting in the tournament solidly would be nice. Eight nine line. I'm thinking hey, this team's pretty good. If they get above that, I'm I'm stunned. That means someone has turned into an NBA player. So we'll see. There's there's a lot to be learned about this basketball team already. There's a lot of growth to be seen from the freshmen. And they, you know, Bruce does a good job of putting together parts. He just he that he that's probably why he succeeded with that under nineteen team. He he can take parts and put it together. And so now he's got a, a new set of parts, has to sort of reinvent his team. They're going to, have to play a little bit differently because they're not going to be able to defend at the high level that they have. I mean, that was a maniacal what they could do on defense in the past because everyone understood every rotation. And no, that's not going to happen this year. I don't know. We'll see. It's going to be, it's going to be a fun season. You know, football, basketball. It's going to be a fun season. There's so many unknowns on both sports, and it could lead to really high highs, like unexpected highs, or it could end up being uh, crap. But we'll be along for the ride. It's going to be fun. We're going to cover the heck out of it at Go Powercat in ways that uh, if you think you know how we cover K-6 sports, you may not be right. 30% off an annual subscription right now at GoPowerCat.com. It's official. We will now have a podcast every day of the week because we are now able to announce that my TV show that uh, aired for the Spear 14th season, The Drive, we will be putting an audio version of it, the podcast version of it. We can no longer put the highlights up on the internet uh, because ESPN owns the rights to those, so we're just going to put up Scott Chasen, my KU co-host, and it'll appear on both of our sites, so that's pretty cool. So we'll, that will come up. It'll be 7 a week. That'll go up at right after 12.01 a.m. on Sunday night, Monday morning. So... Very cool. Very cool. A lot of podcasts. Those will always be free because we can't really put those behind the paywall. But it gives you a little glimpse of what we do at GoPowerCat.com. We appreciate you listening to the PowerCat podcast. The overtime will come on Friday. Be warned. I will not use 10 win the dang days. Dang it. PowerCat podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street Publishing.